Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Okay, we are back here on Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. Thank you for tuning in, as always. And uh, let's get to our first set of guests here. We have two guests that will be calling us in just a few seconds here. They are two of the cast members of a new show on NBC. It will be premiering on Tuesday, September 1, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It's called Transplant. And basically, it's the storyline of uh, a, a doctor from Syria. And so he and his sister, his young sister, are in Toronto, Canada, and they are trying to make a new life for themselves amidst getting used to you know, cultural differences and, you know, you're in a new country. This is different. So that's roughly what it's about. Lots of good stuff, though. I would say if you are a fan of Chicago, uh, you know, those Chicago shows, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, and uh, Law & Order SVU, all of those types of shows you that are on NBC, by the way, of course, you will love Transplant. Now, it's already airing in Canada, and it is a phenomenal hit in Canada. So, hopefully, I'm sure here in America when it makes this grand premiere Tuesday night, that fans will love it as well. So we are about to talk to two of the stars from the cast. Um, Hamza Hawk, who is the lead uh, character actor on the show, and Aisha Issa. Both of them have prominent roles in the series, and so we're going to bring them on in about five seconds. So let's stay tuned and bring them up as soon as they call in. Hold on. Okay. All right, guys, you'll be speaking with Janice. All right, you can say hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. cast of, uh, well, some of the cast, at least, of Transplant. Hello. Hello. Hi. Okay. Well, we'll get right in here and just jump in with both hands and feet here. Feet, I should say, not feet. Um, Transplant will be making its uh Big premiere splash on Tuesday, September 1, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, you guys, this is such a hit show in Canada. Uh, whoever wants to go first, why do you think or how do you think it will, uh, the American viewers will like it? Go, Aisha. I'm there? <laughs> nope. Uh, okay, um, I think, um, you know, I believe that uh, the, like the global population as a whole is ready for a new take on a very popular uh, genre, which is the medical, um, the medical show, the medical drama. And uh, I think that we're as curious or more curious than we've ever been about each other. And I think that the refugees' experience is one that we really know very little about. Um, but it's fascinating and it's relatable in so many more ways than it, than one might expect. And so 
I think that once people give that first episode a chance, the rest will fall into place. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Okay. And I want to note to everyone that Aisha, her character is Dr. June Curtis, and we'll ask you more about her in a second here. But Ahamsa, is, is it Hamsa? Hamza, like hummus and pizza put okay. together. Okay, I got it right been practicing. Um, okay, the the show basically is a Syrian doctor and his sister making a new life for themselves in Toronto. That's my kind of sanitized version of it. But you tell everyone exactly what the show is all about in your words. Uh, in certainly my words and not anybody else's who's informed me to say it this way. Um, the show is, uh, it, it centers around uh, Bashir Hamed, who's a, like you said, a Syrian doctor, who's, uh, who's battle-tested, um, has, has seen all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, inexplicable horrors back in Syria, and has had to flee uh, to Canada with his, uh, with his sister. And we open up on the show with, with him doing any job he can to sort of make ends meet. And then after a, a, a traumatic event uh, at, at his workplace, he's, he, he jumps into action and proves himself uh, uh, and gets the opportunity to uh, contribute uh, to a field that he's more than familiar with uh, in Canada and gets a second chance and a second crack at, uh, at uh, um, being a doctor. Uh, and the, the whole thing was about how um, he interacts with, uh, with the people uh, he works with as well, as well as the new country he's, uh, he's now trying to call home and... Uh, and how they they interact with each other, um, and uh, I think I think people are really going to resonate with that uh, with that feeling of uh, being displaced and trying to find your own. And so, what's been the reaction in Canada, in Toronto, to be more specific, from people who are from Syria who might who are living there now? What's been what kind of feedback have you guys been receiving? Um, well, I've been. I've been really lucky in that um, we we work closely with a lot of uh, Syrian refugees and consultants. Myself specifically, because my character I, I, I had to for for the character. Um, and on and on our premiere night, we invited uh, about sixty or seventy members of the uh, Syrian Canadian Foundation to to watch the premiere with us live. And uh, I think a lot of people felt heard and they felt seen and. Uh, you know, they told me that my accent could use a little bit of work, and it's definitely something to work on for season two. Um, but, um, but I think at large, people are are happy to see uh, their story represented uh, as accurately as as we can do it. Um, although it's in a you know, it's a story, it's a fictional story about uh, about uh, one particular man, but the circumstances that he's facing is is are quite real, and I think. Uh, I think those who went through something similar uh, are really seeing, uh, um, uh, seeing themselves uh, given given that level of uh, of humanity for the first time in mainstream television, and I think we're all very proud to to play a part in that. That's very good to see the diversity there. Well, now Aisha, um, tell everybody who is this lady, Dr. June Curtis, your character? Who is she, and what is she all about, other than being a doctor? Um, so June is, as you said, she's a, a surgery resident at the hospital. Um, she's very dedicated. She's very hardworking, and um, she's very driven towards her goal of being, you know, the best at what she does. And I think that a lot of her identity of her self-worth is tied to her ability to do that. 
Um, uh, I think that, you know, part of what we get to see from her is, you know, her discovery um, that life is more than work and it's more than just one element of life or, or you know, one goal. And uh, that when we ignore the rest of what's going on around us, sometimes I can catch up and, and bite us in the butt. Um, so I think a little bit of that is taking place and we're watching her kind of navigate that experience um, of finding herself and connecting with the world around her at the same time. And so did the two of you uh, and the rest of the cast, did you guys have to hang out, get to hang out and consult with actual doctors and medical people or what? Oh, yes. <laughs> really? Definitely yeah, did. Um we, I don't think we, there's no way we could have done this without the level of support that we had from real medical professionals. They're in the scenes with us. They're standing behind the camera, constantly watching everything we do. They take the time to work with us individually. They, in my case, helped me with my personal fears of needles and things oh, like that. Um, just knowing that we had that support and, and having that support um, was, yeah, it's priceless. Like, it, we, I don't think we would have come anywhere close to what we did without them. Okay. Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And, and and it's actually it, it's the reason we all bonded uh, on uh, on set as well. We were kind of thrown into the lion's den. The first time we all met was during a medical rehearsal, where we were kind of given a crash course on uh, you know basic medicine. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of our consultants uh, divided devised a curriculum based on uh, what we would have to do throughout the season, and that's where we all met. And I think our shared enthusiasm to want to tell the story properly is is indicative of our of our chemistry that we all have both on screen and off screen. I mean, we hung out all the time. So that's good to hear. Well, I got a last question here, but before I get to that one, Aisha, I guess that means the next time uh, you need to get a flu shot or something, you are ready and prepared. Is, is that what that means now? Let me just tell you that I have actually had the opportunity to go into a hospital, unfortunately, but at the same time, um, I, I have a 100% change as a person in regards to my fear of hospitals and needles and doctors. I now know that I can survive it, and I definitely attribute that to my work um, on transplant. There's oh, no doubt about that. So, that yeah, awesome. absolutely. That is awesome. And finally, uh, will the two of you be doing any live tweeting or live social media activities on Tuesday Night's American premiere? Or, and if so, how can people join in with you? I'll let Aisha take uh, this one. Um, we're both. We're, we're the entire cast. First of all, is is available and active on social media. We're all on Instagram, and we love hearing you know fans feedback on the show. And you know, we we sit and we watch on Twitter and interact and find out what people thought of the different episodes. So we're definitely there. We're listening. We're paying attention, and we absolutely love hearing what the fans think. So feel free to look us up and let us know. And um, and. And yeah, we're we're definitely there for that. Okay, how can they sure. how can they find you guys? Um, Hamza, you want to give your hand your handle? I'm uh, I'm only on Instagram. I'm I'm not on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, you can check me out at uh, Hamza Ulhaq, no vowels, H M Z L H Q. Um, and uh, and yeah, look forward to seeing you guys there. Um, uh, I, I, we uh, when it aired in Canada, I, I made a habit of uh, of going live uh, after uh, after a couple episodes. So uh, maybe maybe I'll do that and field some questions uh, uh, again once we start airing on NBC. Oh, that'd be fun! Uh, that'd be fun. And Aisha, what about you? What's your handle? 
handle is my first name and my last name together, so Aisha Issa, A-Y-I-S-H-A-I-S-S-A. And I am on Twitter, on Instagram, but you'll probably find me a little bit more on Instagram than on Twitter. Um, and then, of course, Transplant, um, NBC has their, uh, I think it's NBC Transplant, and then CTV, the Canadian one, has Transplant CTV on Instagram. Um, and, yeah, like once you find one of us, it's very easy to find the rest of the cast because uh, we all interact and talk and, and, and tag each other up there, too. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from the fans from the States and, 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 and what they thought about it and, you know, if they loved it as much as we do. So. Right. Well, thank you, both both of you guys, Hamza and Aisha. So that's Transplant, Tuesday night, September 1, NBC, 10 p.m. Eastern. And everybody get their calculations to figure out their own time zone because I don't do time zones. But anyway, uh, thank you guys so much. I've already seen the preview show, and it's very intense and very good. So congratulations on the success of the show. Thank you, thank you so, so much. much. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone will be right back after this. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, the Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Okay, we are back here on Film Festival Radio Show. Thank you guys for tuning in as always, and we'd love to hear from you. Info at filmfestivalradio.com is how you can find us here. So let's bring the bus and the train and the plane to our next guest here. She is a household name when it comes to the world of successful novels and just being a, gosh, just a top-selling novelist. We're talking about Sandra Brown. I mean, gosh, she really just... Sandy Sandra Brown. What else can we say? She is the author of not one, not two, not 32, not 47. How about being the author of 71 New York Times best-selling novels? I am not kidding with you. And you know what's even cool? I'm sure there are fans uh, out there who will probably have all 71 of her novels. And if you are that fortunate, oh my goodness, you need to step forward and say, hey, I have all 71. Maybe there is. Maybe there is, and I just don't know about it. Uh, is there a club or an organization or a fan club that for all of her fans who have all 71 of her novels? And if you don't, this might be a good time to run out and start collecting them. And make sure that you go and get her current book that just came out. It's titled Thick as Thieves. And in true Sandra Brown, oh my God, the true Sandra Brown style, it is a gripping novel of danger and vengeance, desire greed and all the stuff that Americans love to read. But apparently it's not just Americans because she has sold over 80 million copies of her books. They're, they're all over the world in print as we speak. And several of her books, 34 of them, no, wrong. Uh, her books have been translated into 34 languages. Several of her books have been made into television movies, and she has held all kinds of positions, high-ranking positions in the literary thriller world, and so deserving. 
So, I mean, what else can you say? As I said earlier, it's Sandra Brown. And so I am so honored to be able to uh, chat with her about her latest book, Thick as Thieves. If you already, maybe if you have 58 of her her books, okay, go out and get this one. You'll have 59 and you can just keep adding because she's she's got them. The books are out there. So anyway, let's bring Sandra Brown on board now to find out more about her latest novel, Thick as Thieves. Hi, and uh, Janice, you're connected with Sandra Brown. Well, good afternoon, Sandra. What is uh, an honor for me to chat with you. Such an honor. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Sandra, here we are. Uh, My goodness, 71 New York Times bestsellers. And now... <laughs> and, thick of and, and fingers crossed that uh, th- uh, thick as these will change that. We'll bump it up by one. <laughs> so obviously, you still get excited. I can hear the enthusiasm every time you release a novel. Uh, do you get butterflies in your stomach and such? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. About eight weeks uh, leading up to the publication date, I start getting really nervous and thinking, now why did I think that was a good idea? (laughs) Nobody's going to like that book. And so I wait with bated breath until the reviews start coming in, and the reviews for Thick as Thieves have been very favorable. So that always gives me a little bit of relaxation. But, you know, it's like having a baby. I mean, it takes a long time to produce. And then you have to wait a long time to get any feedback on it. So, um, yeah, I do get butterflies, and it, it never gets old either. And so uh, just a snippet here, your your latest is described as you've got some danger and desire, greed, vengeance. It sounds like you just pulled this story out of the headlines from yesterday here. So... <laughs> I promise it's not about COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. So give us a synopsis of, of, you know, exactly what is the storyline. Well, it's about um, a successful heist. Uh, Four thieves pull off a successful heist, and in the prologue, they've got the money, and they're laying out their plan. Um, of how they're going to divvy it up, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, the prologue ends with, uh, by morning, their plan had been shot to hell, that one was in the hospital, one was in jail, one was in the morgue, and one got away with the hall. And so from that point forward, I had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> but I started with that, and I thought it was a pretty compelling uh, prologue, and uh, so I let the story kind of develop, you know, organically from there, and uh, really telling two stories at once. I'm telling what happened over that night, how everything began to unravel, and who was responsible for for upsetting everything, and then I'm also telling the present day story, which takes place 20 years later. Uh, so it, it was like writing two stories at, at once, and it was sort of challenging because I had to keep the backstory as vital and as full attention as I did, you know, the present day story. It sounds like a storyline, uh, as we all know, so many of your books have been done into films, but this one sounds like this is a movie that 
Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and maybe George Clooney could all be <laughs> together. Oh, I could go for that. I could really go for that. <laughs> well, any of them or a combination thereof. Yes, for sure. Well, has there already been um, early talk that it could become a film or what? Not yet. No, I haven't heard anything yet. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And so... What is you've had so much success as a novelist? What is your your procedure when you're getting ready to start on a new book? Do you have do you go away into a quiet, beautiful place, or or what is your usual plan of how you go about this? Well, it you know it takes an idea, starting with an idea, and um, and really thick as thieves started when I heard a character didn't know who. Um, say the opening line, which was um, talking about it is a surefire way to get caught. And I looked around my office, I was there alone, and I thought, who said that? (laughs) And then I I started, you know, taking in the scene. So that was one of those rare occurrences, and I'm always grateful for them, where I just sort of enter a scene that's in progress. But then other times it will be you know, just something will come to me. I'll hear um, something on the news, although nothing in the news is worth writing about right now. But um, uh, it'll be, I, I can't really say. And if I knew where the ideas actually came from, that's what I'd sell. <laughs> I wouldn't have to write the books. <laughs> but um, it, each book has been different. And then once I get the idea, I start playing with it seeing where the plot's going to go, who the good guys are going to be, who the bad guys are going to be, why they're at at cross-purposes. But it's really when I get that last, that secret, that big lie, that only I know, that the reader does not know. And when I get that, that big lie, it's like, aha, now the idea becomes a story. Well, as we all know, your stories are known for these beautiful and intriguing plot twists and suspense and such. <laughs> so, uh, think as these, I take it there is a plot twist or two or three or four, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I build in a few, um, but I have to tell you, Janice, some of the best plot twists that I've ever had, uh, that I've ever written, came as a surprise to me. I would be rocking along, you know, thinking that something was going to happen, and my characters, who are a whole lot smarter than I am, would do some, something would happen, and it would be, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. And so even I can be surprised sometimes, and that's what makes it really fun. And that doesn't always happen. Um, I typically build in several, but where where I know that spikes in the story have to come um, and keep things, you know, moving along, changing direction and so on. But some of the best ones are the ones that take me by surprise, too. (laughs) Well, that's good to know that, you know, you're as equally as surprised as us readers are. Well, I'm going to try to squeeze in two quick last questions here. To further speak of surprises, uh, your millions of fans around the world here, what would they be surprised to know about you? I think they would be surprised to know that I do not take um, the success 
or the success of even the last book for granted. Um, I'm still very insecure, (laughs) and every time I start a new book, I think um, uh, whatever talent I ever had or or made people think that I had has left me. I'll never be able to do this again. And so for me, I I think fans would would be surprised by the wall of fear that I face every day when I go to the computer. Now that is and I a have surprise. Yeah. That's a total surprise. My goodness. 71 New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> I would be like the woman of steel. No. <laughs> no, I still sweat it out every day. Well, finally, uh, what have you been doing during the lockdown? Have you been gardening or just what, what's been going on with you? Well, I've um, been doing an exceptional amount of reading because um, as much as a writer, I'm a reader, avid reader still. And um, uh, I, I have been really catching up on a lot of reading because when I'm trying to finish a book and make my deadline and everything, you know, reading is my relaxation, and I just don't have that much time for it until I finish a book, and then I'm like, you know, voracious. Um, so I've been doing a lot of reading, and I've already started working on an idea for next year's book and um, doing research on that. So I have managed to, you know, to fill my days, but I've been very careful, been homebound as much as possible, wear my mask everywhere, and, and like everybody else, just trying to stay healthy. Well, we are so happy to have your latest Thick as thieves, and we'll just sit back to see if it's going to be Brad Pitt or DiCaprio or just who was going to star in the league. Because I know it's going to be. If you somebody. have any contacts, let me know. <laughs> Would absolutely love to. Well, I'm enjoying the book because I love these types of stories. So thank you so much, Sandra, for yet another thank you, great Janet. book. Okay, and we'll see you I hopefully at the movies. Well, thank you so much, uh, Sandra, for giving us some insight uh, about her latest book. And just so exciting to talk with such a successful novelist there. And, hey, the success continues on because we have our next guest, who is also a best-selling author, uh, is Karen Slaughter. And she is one of the world's most popular and acclaimed novelists herself. She is the author of the best-selling Will Trent series of thriller books and this month marks the 20th her 20th novel and her latest book is titled the silent wife and it is out just came out earlier this month parade magazine has already proclaimed the silent wife to be 
the best summer book for 2020. So, I mean, we know how prestigious to get it is to get an, an honor or, or anything in Parade Magazine. So, yeah, but Miss Karen has been published in 120 countries, has more than 35 million copies of books sold around the world. Some of her titles include Pretty Girls, The Good Daughter, Pieces of Her, The Last Widow. And by the way, Pieces of Her is currently in development for Netflix. And her Grant County and Will Trent series of books are also in development for future television film projects as well. So Karen, just like Sandra Brown, Karen Slaughter is also uh, just on a roll with her books as well as television films as well. So let me bring her on and let's hear about... Um, her latest book there, and just find out why is the silent wife? Why is she silent? Well, we're going to find out with Karen right now. So let's bring her on board. Janice, you're on with Karen. Well, good afternoon, Miss Karen. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, thank you. You're in Las Vegas. I am in Las Vegas. It's bright and sunny here, of course. Oh, yeah, nice. I'm in Atlanta. Okay, well, I'm sure it's almost sunny or. Kind of, in, in Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, it is, yes. Well, I'd just like to start off by saying congratulations on yet another, it looks like, hit book here, The Silent Wife, best book, best summer book for 2020, according to the Mighty Parade magazine. And uh, But, I mean, you're so accustomed to having success with your books. Do you still get excited when you see these types of accolades or what? Absolutely. You know, it's such a so flattering for one because everybody grew up reading Parade Magazine and still reads it. But, you know, I love this book. It was a real labor of love for me, and I had such a fun time writing the story and seeing it out there and seeing people excited about it. It's so rewarding, and that never changes. You know, every book, there's always the opportunity for someone to be displeased or not like a story, and I've been really lucky with this one, so I'm I'm super happy and excited just to be talking about it. And so how long uh, have you worked on, uh, did you work on The Silent Wife? Well, you know, this is number 10 in my Will Trent series, um, but of course I write the books so you can read them out of order. You don't have to read all of the nine books before this one. Um, but it was a story I thought about maybe 10, 15 years ago, and th that happens a lot of times when I come up with ideas. It's, I have to let them percolate for a while, and I have to find the right emotional hook into the story because I'm writing about really tough topics. This one is about violence against women, and I want to always be able to put them in context and give them an emotional foundation so that the reader doesn't feel like I'm exploiting this or... I'm certainly not writing for titillation. I'm writing so people understand that these bad things happen and there, there's some good in the world, too, that helps balance them out. Now, I understand that two of your very popular characters, Will Trent and Sarah Linton, are back for The Silent Wife. So can you give us a little hand about these two for this book? Well, Will is a detective with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and Sarah Linton is a doctor. She's a medical examiner. She is also his girlfriend. So the book opens with them both in their professional capacity at a prison investigating a brutal murder. And an inmate comes up to Will and says, hey, I'm innocent, which, you know, there's not a lot of people who are in prison and say, I did it. I deserve to be here. 
but Will starts to look into the case, and he says, huh, this guy may in fact not be guilty of these crimes, which means that someone got away with them eight years ago, and someone is still committing them today, and I've got to find this fella. So the clock starts ticking for Will to locate the person who's committing these brutal crimes against women. Okay, sounds like, uh, ooh, listeners, if you that out there, uh, we're all stuck at home, why not get into a good, thick, juicy novel or book here? So, yeah, makes sense to me. Absolutely. Well, now, here, um, I, I, you know, just from looking and reading your books, you are, like me, you love research, obviously. Um, so, do you have, like, a... a you know, detectives personally or cops that you work with when you're researching your books or what? Well, when I was growing up, my aunt was the chief of detectives in our small town uh, next door to ours. So I saw through her eyes what it was like not just to be a cop, but to be a detective and to be a woman on the force. You know, she had to, she had to deal with a lot of bad guys on the streets, but then she'd get back to the station house and come up with this wall of men who didn't want her there, let alone having her as a boss. And I learned a lot from watching her, uh, but I also talk to a lot of police officers now just for research, and they're so great at giving me tips on cases and information that's insider information, and I love to turn around and share that with my readers. Well, it comes across quite well. Uh, it just leaves us hanging on our seats here and on the edge of some of these stories and some of these books. Well, I'm just wondering, I mean, you, here you are, you're a nice, pretty, smart, elegant Southern belle. How did you get into the gory world of writing about crime dramas? Well, you know, uh, well, first, thank you for all of that. Uh, I think a lot of women are interested in this. You know, we've been reading crime novels for years that are written by men, so it seems like a natural thing for women to write about it. But one of my really things that I take with me as I write every book is my grandmother. She was a victim of domestic violence at the hands of my grandfather, who was an awful alcoholic. And... We would tease her when I was a very little girl about being clumsy because she always had bruises and cuts and breaks. And as I got older, I realized that she was being brutalized by my grandfather. And still, we never talked about it. And I, I know that being quiet only helped my grandfather. It did not help her. So I vowed when I started writing about violence against women that I would talk about it, that I would be honest and frank, but I, I would also try to put it so that it was grounded in characters who really care about people, you know, my, my police officers, my medical examiner, and they care about the community and they want to do something about it. And that, to me, is paying tribute to my grandmother, but also to the millions of women who have suffered from violence. I can only imagine that over the years, uh, what types of emails and comments that you've received from uh, women who have been in domestic violence uh, situations. And what kind, you know, any particular letters or two that really stand out from fans, readers? Well, I think that one that sticks out for me most is I had a woman write to me, and she said, you know, I never had the words to explain what it was like and why I stayed. 
so long and why, how I was so trapped. I just couldn't articulate to people because, you know, everyone says, oh, I would never put up with that. You know, why doesn't she leave? And it's very easy to say that if you're not in that situation. And she said, your words gave me the language to explain to my children why I stayed so long and, and how this affected me in such a, a, a damaging way. And to me, that was the highest praise I could get was a woman saying that I gave her uh, the words to tell her own story. Oh, wow. That, that's, that really makes it all worthwhile when you get that kind of mail. I can only imagine. It's just, oh, it's... Well, let me ask you these two last questions here. Uh, everybody saw you on the mini golf show, Holy Moly. What was that like for you? Um, well, it was crazy. This is an extreme mini golf show, which means that you can not just putt through a windmill, you can be hit in the head by a windmill. And I ended up being on a mechanical gopher that bucked me off and threw me 20 feet down a bouncing mountain. Then I had to get up and grab my putter and uh, try to get a hole in one. It was crazy. And I think I just had a, a break with reality when I said, yes, I'll do this. And I'm, I'm glad I did it, but I'll never do anything that crazy again. <laughs> well, after being on the show, what did it do for your golf game? You know, not a lot, because uh, unless I'm going to be riding on top of the cart, it didn't teach me any new skills. <laughs> oh, good. It was a lot of fun, though. I just, just loved it. I love the show. It's just so crazy. And... Finally, it I is. understand that one of your novels, Pieces of Her, is going to be a Netflix eight-part series. Can you tell us anything about it? Is it too early or what? Well, they are hopefully going to start filming in September. They got cut, shut down because of the pandemic. Uh, they're going to go to Australia where things are a little bit more in control, and uh, this makes perfect sense because the star is Tony Collette. She's Australian, and I hope they start filming, and we plan, if things go well, to have it streaming next year on Netflix. Oh, wow. So how much of a hand do you have in the writing of it, adaptation, I should say, of it, or, or are you just going to sit back and just enjoy it? You know, I get to do a little bit of both because they've been so generous. And the people, I've, I've heard horror stories from writers about having their books adapted, but Netflix has been wonderful. The showrunner has shown me all the scripts. Of course, they've had to make changes. You can't just have a TV show where somebody's sitting in the car for three hours. But I, I agree with the changes. I'm just super excited. I can't wait to see what happens. Well, neither can us, the viewers out here, we get to enjoy your books, and now we get to see it on Netflix next year, hopefully. But for now, we're going to deal with The Silent Wife, best summer book for 2020, according to Parade Magazine. So, Karen, thank you so much for the chat and giving us some insight on the making of The Silent Wife and uh, what it was like being on one of my shows, Holy Moly. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you so much, Karen, for giving us some insight and some details about her latest book here. It uh, It's a good one. It's a doozy. I have a copy of it, and it is everything that it uh, says that it is, believe me, because Karen, as we all know, her books just leave you wanting for more. And the book title, again, is The Silent Wife, and you'll get to find out why she is silent. So I also want to thank uh, our 
guest, Sandra Brown, another New York Times bestselling author. Her new book is Thick as Thieves. So rest of the summer, over into the fall season, we're still locked in, unfortunately. So why not get these books from both of these very talented ladies and uh, just to, you know, pass the time away. This would be a lot of fun. I love, I still love reading books. I love holding them in my hand. It's okay. Audiobooks are cool and all of that, but it's something about holding the actual book in my hand that I'm just old school about. Well, okay, that's going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. I want to thank all of our guests, uh, Sandra Brown, Karen Slaughter, the actors from uh, NBC's new show, Transplant. Remember, airs on Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can figure it out in your time zone. So that's all of our guests for this edition of the show, and we'll see you next show. Hey, make sure you tune in to the next edition of Film Festival Radio because we will have some brand new auditions to find out who's looking for actors, actresses, or just being a part of a reality show. We have a lot of reality show news. Uh, they're looking for new people nationwide. So make sure you tune in to us, okay? Well, we'll see you on the next edition of Film Festival Radio. Have a great rest of the day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio. With your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.